Greetings and welcome to Flanagan's Ecologic. I am your host, Ted Flanagan. And for this episode, we're joined by April Bulldog. She's the founder and the president of S-Curve Strategies. She's been driving an electric vehicle for over 12 years. She's passionate about EVs, had a major role promoting EVs for San Diego Gas and Electric, and then in 2017 formed S-Curve Strategies to support city and state and county electric vehicle policies and programs. Great to have her on the show today. Hey, April, welcome to the podcast. Great to see you. Hey, hey great to see you too. Thank you so much for having me. Well, delighted, delighted to have you and eager to talk about EVs and your, and your role in the, in the adoption of EVs. But um, tell me something, so just for the sake of the audience. Now, you're, I'm, I'm calling in, you're, you're in the San Diego area, is that right? Yes, in the San Diego area. Um, San Diego area, uh, president of S-Curve Strategies, but I work in states all across the country, so it's just been great. Great. We just happen to have the best weather right now of anybody, right? <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. Very good. So, well, you mentioned S-Curves. S-Curves is the company that you founded in, I think, 2017. It um, is. And what? how would you define its mission? Our mission is really... Uh, the fact that everyone deserves clean air, and I focus on transportation electrification. So whether that's for states, counties, electric utilities, um, there is just so much investment across the U.S. being placed in transportation electrification. And so, um, you know, now I think is is uh, the best time to actually be in this industry because when I first got in, people were saying, you're nuts just to focus all your energy on transportation electrification. But, man, there is plenty of work to go around. <laughs> sure is. It's, it's just booming. It's just it's yeah. the most incredible boom I've, I've ever seen. And for, But now, for example, what were you working on this morning? What Which project were you working on? Uh, let's see. So this morning, I was actually developing a municipal transportation electrification guide for a utility so that a utility that has a huge territory, um, they're looking, they're getting a lot of questions from the cities and saying, the cities are saying, well, how do we electrify our fleets? How do we implement, you know, streamline permitting for uh, EV charging stations? Um, how do we support uh, EV adoption to help meet our state's policy goals? And so they thought, you know, let's put together this guide and then they'll be, you know, step by step how that they can do all these things and we'll help to simplify it for them. Well, that's fantastic. And there's got to be an yeah. electric utility in the country has to be looking at this uh, wave, this, this, the EV, the wave of EV, well, infrastructure and, and electric vehicles and just going, we need to get ahead of this. I, I would imagine everybody's got to get ahead of that. So, so you have utility clients. And we're going to talk about your career at San Diego Gas and Electric or your time there. And then you have, it sounds like you have city and county clients and states also. So go Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So from a state perspective, uh, the, the departments of transportation. So um, a perfect example was uh, working with the Colorado Department of Transportation. And um, they wanted to look at, you know, how are we electrifying um, those transportation networks like 
Uber and Lyft, how are we helping to support them? Um, how are we helping to support like rental car agencies? How are we helping to support um, other fleets like medium and heavy duty fleets? What are some of the needs that things that we need to be doing as a state around that? And then interestingly enough, um, New Hampshire, for example, their economic development department, uh, they wanted to implement, you know, they said, well, we're kind of a drive through state when it comes to electric vehicles. And we have all these, we have amazing ski resorts. So how closely should we be spacing public charging when you're going to a ski resort, you know? Um, interestingly enough, you want to put it closer together as you're going up the mountain, you can go farther apart as you're coming down the mountain. So all of these types of strategic ways that you have to think about transportation electrification and whether that's just passenger vehicles or going to the um, use the ski resort to uh, medium duty trucks that are making deliveries, things like that. So. And then um, do you ever, do you ever work for advocates, ad, ad, advocacy groups that are trying to influence policy or is that. Yeah, I actually was president of the electric vehicle association until a couple of years ago. And we have about a hundred chapters and, and working with in each of those chapters that are in cities all across the country. And they're being asked, like, how can you help us grow the adoption of electric vehicles? What types of policies do we have in place? So around that whole advocacy space. Everybody exactly. call, call April because yeah. her, her head is full <laughs> of best practices uh, that you yeah. can modify and bring to a, your community or yeah, your, your city or state. Yeah. yeah. I remember talking to you, I remember talking, meeting you about, I think it was about eight months ago, meeting you and yeah. talking to you and thinking, you know, you've got the coolest job. Uh, I do. I do. I love it. I love it. It sounds like it. Okay. So let's go all the way back in, in your life. Born and raised in the San Diego area? Uh, actually born in New York, but raised in San Diego. <laughs> My dad was in the Air Force. We moved to Germany, but then back to San Diego. So <laughs> really San Diego is, is home for you. Exactly. I, I, get, I get the strong impression that you're not going anywhere. Uh, anywhere. Well, and Travel for work so and fun, probably, but no, not for life. Yeah. And I said, um, gosh, you know, my parents said, where do you want to go to college? You see San Diego. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> yeah. You did that. And you studied, yeah. you, were, you got a Bachelor of Arts. It was pretty far. Or was it I more? did in communication. Okay. Yeah. So I spent kind of the first decade of my career in public relations and communications and media relations. So um, that was fantastic. And you know, really prepared me, I guess, for my next step in my career, which was um, working for a utility and doing their media relations. So working for their parent company, Semper Energy, and then also San Diego Gas and Electric. And I don't think anyone, you know, when you're starting out says, you know, I want to go and work for a utility. But it was actually really awesome. So, I mean, so many innovative things happen in the utility and what you're doing and how many people you're supporting with your electric grid. I mean, it's it's fascinating. It is fascinating. Well, I started my career at the New York Power Authority. I've had the same. Oh wow! There you go. Back for I mean, it's this massive infrastructure and how everything gets how we're, how it all works is just a miracle. But yeah, the level of support and the and the opportunities are great. But I want to go back when you were a kid. Did you? Uh, the, there probably were no EVs, right? We were no. Was, there were no even hybrids, right? Where we, Not, I, you know, yeah. I know when I was a kid, we were critiquing the fact that we all had, you know, these huge gas guzzlers and the, and right. the, Japanese, the Japanese, well, Volkswagen was pretty efficient. And then the Japanese came out with some of those early Datsuns. 
that I right. really were very excited about because it's a Toyota with a fuel efficiency. But was there any indication when you were a kid that you were going to have this kind of a career? Or what did you think you were going to be? Oh, I thought I was going to be one of two things. A Mountie, which was basically a police officer on horseback. Or I was going to be an anchor, a television, you know, a journalist, a television anchor. So, you know, one of the two. <laughs> so at what, and here what, I am. At what point then, you're, you're working for Sempro or, and or San Diego Gas and Electric, you're in corporate communications. And then at what point did, the, did, the, did your career shift, no pun intended, but directly towards EVs? Yeah, so we, um, on our media relations team, we're divided up into beats. And so we assist different departments within the utility. And one of my beats was innovation, smart grid, microgrid, smart meters, and electric vehicles. So I had all the cool technology, you know, things. And then um, as we saw uh, electric vehicles, hmm, this is really going to end up being something. We we were talking about rolling out EV programs. The EV team came to me and said, would you join our team full time? So I spent half of the, you know, a little more th uh, than a decade that I was at um, the utility. I spent half that time on the electric vehicle team. So I got to roll out some of the very first EV programs in the country, which is really exciting. We talk about those. What, what what were the what were some of the earliest programs you remember? Yeah, so the very first one was an electric vehicle rate, but it was the first time of use rate. So now time of use rates are um, pretty standard at utilities, but we tested the first time of use rate with our EV drivers because it was a small subset, and we tested them with different rates to see really what was their you know, how much would they withstand and how much would they shift their behavior depending on the price of these rates. And so we compared that with a utility um, and EV drivers on the East Coast. And we literally saw, you know, almost 100% of our EV drivers were shifting their behaviors um, just by providing them a low price for them to charge at night, for example, because you can program your car to charge at any time that it wants to come on. So it was easy for the driver. And if they're getting a lower rate, why would they not switch to this rate? So that was really the utility's first entree into time of use rates. And then they rolled that out across the company um, years later, which was really exciting. And when did you start driving an EV? I started driving in 2011. So um, as soon as they, you know, hit the roads uh, mainstream, uh, I just started driving one and just loved it. I've, I have never gone back. <laughs> That's what they say. Now, it, was it a Nissan Leaf or what, what, did, what did you get in those early days? In the early days, it was actually uh, the BMW Active E. So there was only 700 in the company. In the country, it was a one series, two door BMW that they've converted to all electric. So, so it went a hundred miles, which is actually more than when the first Nissan Leaf came out. Um, so had that car for two years, but it was uh, kind of like the EV1 with GM. It was, a it was mandatory that you had to give it back and all those good things. And then I, from there, went to the um, Fiat 500e uh, and have a Nissan Leaf now. So they have yeah. a Leaf. What is the, some this was a conversation I was just having the other day. What is the range on the Leaf these days? Uh, 235 miles. So it's right around the Chevy Bolt that, uh, yeah, exactly. 
exactly I, I, i'm on my second second bolt and just i just i love it i can't believe it oh my gosh <laughs> i do too i do too and everyone says well why don't you get a tesla why don't you you know and i mean the thing is is just because of the role that i have in transportation electrification i i really want to show people especially you know as we talk about equity and as it relates to transportation electrification we should be focused there that you really can get an awesome inexpensive electric car and it does all the things and it you know has similar torque and uh you know yeah. it's great well, i think i think it's an important message terry terry has a tesla so she loves okay. this love we love it it's fantastic yeah. and the bolt in and the leaf i mean these are fantastically good vehicles that like you say they have all the functionality and if you look at you know cost uh carefully you realize what incredible value there are and now as i mean you're you're tracking this i love tracking all the new market entrants so, you know, oh my gosh volkswagen and and the ford walk e the mustang it it's going crazy yeah the hyundai i mean there really is uh a type of electric vehicle for any use case i think you know yeah. any any family need business need yeah. and you couldn't have said that 2 years ago right exactly exactly just that or maybe even a year ago i mean it's just that fast let's talk a little bit more about your time in san diego gas electric because sure. i think i think i read somewhere maybe in your materials that the city of san diego or maybe it's san diego county has one of the highest ev adoption rates in the country and unquestionably san diego gas and electric had you you talked about time you time of use rates but what else did the you did you and your colleagues at the utility do to to accelerate the market yeah um we actually did the launch of the nissan leaf in san diego so it was great to shine a spotlight in the region um we were one of the first utilities to roll out a time of use rate so you know when you do think about oh, okay if i if i am um sensitive to price uh and i don't want to you know go to the gas station anymore um are there programs that i can use and that is definitely one of them so we were really seeing a huge uptick of people participating in those rates so then there they then obviously they were putting in chargers at their places right Yeah, we had a a program it was about a 45 million dollar program to install about 3000 charging stations and that was in multifamily communities, workplaces uh for employees and also for fleets. And it was just fantastic working with all the different customers that were interested in doing this uh and then also working on the utility customer experience. So, you know, what what is it going to take for a business to install charging for its employees hmm. what is it going to take for a fleet to purchase an electric vehicle and install charging and really transition its fleet to electric what is it going to take for a multifamily you know an apartment community to install charging stations there and a lot of times when it comes to workplaces or you know apartment communities it's someone saying hey i'm getting an electric car where do i charge it yeah. <laughs> where do i plug in and so um when you do start seeing charging stations around um i mean most people do charge at home but when you do start seeing charging stations around especially in public it does give you the confidence that you'll be able to get where you need to go and have enough fuel to get there do you do you think we're at that point yet or we're we're still at uh, we're still getting there in terms of having uh, sufficient charge I, i think we're definitely getting there i think um we do have a long way to go i 
you know, currently where I live, it's in a bit of a public charging station desert in this in my particular community. Um, so a lot of us that drive electric cars, as you know, we use the app called PlugShare, and it'll show you where you are and where the closest public charging station is. And um, it's it's very interesting when you start seeing these um, holes, if you will, these donut holes in a particular region as to why why isn't there charging? Why isn't there public charging there? And what are some of the reasons behind that? So. I, I would have assumed that the, the charging deserts, I've just heard that term recently, you used the, the but I was just, we've all heard of food deserts where there's no supermarkets, but uh -huh. charging desert where there's no chargers, but I assume that would be more urban, low income neighborhoods, but is that not the case? Yeah, I think it's um, also in more suburban communities, um, your low income can be correct. Uh, we were seeing that, especially in the San Diego region, we were starting to see hmm, in some of our um, low income communities or underserved communities that that was happening. And we did make a concerted effort to have charging installed there because, again, it's, it's the same thing, whether you're in an un underserved community or not. If you don't see charges around, you're, you're, it's not top of mind. You're not going to adopt an electric vehicle uh, because you're thinking, well, I don't have many places to charge it. So, so part, part of the job then at San Diego Gas and Electric was figuring out where there, those holes were, right? Exactly, exactly, and exactly. And and every state is actually struggling with this now. Is you know where can we get charging station installed quickly? Um, we want to see our adoption rates improve significantly, um, and. I also think what's fascinating is even for those states that don't have as strong a policies as like a California, um, there's many states in the Northeast that have strong policies. There's many states in the Northwest that have strong policies. Even if you're in a state that doesn't have a strong policy, the utilities are still thinking that through or the counties are thinking that through or the cities are thinking that through as to, you know, electric vehicles are coming and are we prepared yet? Yeah, and, and, and just to add to that a little bit, I mean, what do you think utilities are expecting in terms of, let's just say they're, you know, right now they're 100% of their load. Now, if, if their vehicles in their service territory electrify, does that go to 150% of their load? Does that double their load? I mean, I know it probably depends, but what, what, what's your sort of answer to that question? Yeah, I mean, I think that is the key focus that many utilities are thinking about. And an answer to that really is something like a time of use rate. You want to incentivize uh, drivers to charge or fleets to charge their electric vehicles during the times of day when there's the most capacity on the grid. And oftentimes that's at night. And so if you program your car, I mean, I can plug my car in at noon, but it's not going to start charging until nine o'clock at night. So anyone can program their cars to do that. And when you incentivize drivers, you necessarily don't have to put in a lot more pipes and wires. Um, you can use the grid that you have in, in areas where you do already have that support. But um, there are a lot of rural areas, for example, where they don't have the infrastructure right now to you know, support a large, um, large scale adoption. And so what, what do they do? I mean, 
some of those options now are, you know, doing a time of use rate, but we also have microgrids, there's battery storage, there's all different types of things. And so I think it's, the answer is it does need to be a holistic view. It's not just going to be one, one thing is not the answer. And so I think, you know, renewable energy, that's, that's going to be key, especially yeah. Um, and you quickly area. get, and I know that you've got a, a colleague who you work with at your company, S Curves, who's an engineer. You quickly get into electrical engineering, and how right, exactly, exactly the distribution grid. Let's talk a little bit about your transition. Oh, you, you, how long were you at San Diego Gas and Electric or Sempra's? About eleven year? years. What What prompted you to to start your own thing in two thousand? Was that that's six years ago? Yeah. But what, yeah. What, what was the motivation for that? I was getting so many calls from other utilities and saying, hey, April, we want to do exactly what you're doing. Will you teach us? And I thought, hmm, by the, you know, 15th, 16th, 17th, 20th, 25th call, it's like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so I went and I actually, um, I met with my CEO for Semper Energy and then the CEO for SDT&E and they're like, well, we don't understand. Just just do do that, but just keep doing it here. Just stay here. And I thought, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna uh, do this. And a lot of people, like I said, just thought I was nuts because how are you gonna build a business on transportation electrification alone? But they just didn't see, they weren't hearing the same things I was hearing. They weren't seeing the same things that I was seeing as far as um, potential market trends in this area. And then who would have thought that we'd you know, have the invest investments that we're having now. Yeah. Who was the first, who was the first client when you started out? Let's see. So who was my first client? Um, probably the California electric transportation coalition was one of them, um, helping them on, uh, with some of their policies because they had auto makers and utilities as part of their membership. And so, you know, how can we influence the state of California to adopt transportation electrification policies, stronger policies. Yeah. yeah. So well, that's great. And so if you had to, th and then I always like to ask people, what was your, what's your most exciting project so far uh, with S curves? Yeah. Um, I think I have two exciting projects. Um, one is in uh, Clark County, Nevada, and it's for the, for, for the county. And that's helping them with their regional transportation electrification plan. So over the last year, we've been gathering stakeholders, um, which includes all of their cities, all of their trade organizations, like um, building organizations, single family homes, all the way to industrial, to commercial, to the resort community, to nonprofits, um, you name it, and developing a whole plan around transportation electrification. So setting a baseline for where they're at now, how many electric vehicles do they have? How many charging stations do they have? And where does the state want them to be? Well, the state has a plan for net zero by 2050. So if we do that and we transition all of our uh, transportations to net zero, how are we gonna get there? What are the milestones gonna be, need to be as we're working towards that? So that, that was uh, really exciting. And then also working with their fleet of 2,400 vehicles, the county's fleet to electrify as well. Yeah. So and that's it, one good one. It certainly sounds like you're, you're, you like facilitating. 
because yeah. <laughs> you, you got to bring all these stakeholders. You, you got to keep everybody enthusiastic and yet uh, tough reaching consensus always with groups of people. Well, exactly. And I think um, what was probably some of the most um, exciting parts of that is helping to raise everyone's acumen when it comes to transportation electrification. Because when you bring together such a diverse group of stakeholders, you can't expect everyone to know everything about transportation electrification. So we started from EV 101, um, charging 101. We got into you know best practices around um, charging installations for multifamily communities, charging installations for public, um, what are some of the business models around charging? How do you, you know, um, what are some of the rates? How do those work? You know, what is the utility doing to help the region? What are some of the um, best practices around building codes? So, um, you know, all different types of, of areas to get into there. So it's really, again, you have the most fascinating job. I want to, I want to quickly ask you three questions that I've been, that sure. I, sure. Do, do the do the EV tr uh, electric or do the electric transportation advocates like yourself do they ever speak to the building decarbonization people or is that just sort of a because these two huge waves right of electrifying mobility so true electrifying buildings I'm not saying good or bad that they do or don't speak I just I'm curious whether they're really in separate camps I I think that they're it's in general, I think it's the same camp, me personally. Um, but I think on the transportation side that it's such a niche um, that you do have specifically transportation electrification experts, but it does really all roll up too, because when you are installing charging infrastructure, you're installing it next to a building, right? And so it really is um, the same ecosystem and transportation electrification, I mean, you know, in many states, transportation is the one that's producing the most um, emissions, greenhouse gas emissions, other types of emissions. For some regions, Clark County, for example, it's buildings that are producing the most emissions and transportation is second. And so it is, um, it's going to be beneficial to all of us to work hand in hand um, with that. And also when it comes to building codes. So, you know, the building community doesn't like to um, talk about having codes implemented, but there are many cities, states, counties that are looking at building codes. So for new buildings, the requirement of EV charging. And so you can't get more linked when you are talking about building codes, especially for charging infrastructure. It's a good answer to an unfair question. No, oh, I, I like the question because it's, question you know, number, it's true. Question number yeah. two, I, this could be very quick. Is hydrogen just sort of a thing of the past in terms of for mobility? I, it hasn't been such a huge focus in the mainstream. I think though, when you look at it from an investment standpoint, is there's a lot of money being put in hydrogen Maybe not as much as transportation electrification, but there are use cases for hydrogen, especially when you're talking about long haul vehicles, uh, where that could be more beneficial. Um, I think it's just when it does come to hydrogen, it's, you know, people throw around, is it green? Is it not? Is it, you know, but when you're strictly talking about the use case, there are use cases for it, for sure.
Yeah, good again, a good good answer. And I remember, I mean, it wasn't that many years ago when we were all fired up about the hydrogen highway in California. You know, you're going to be able. Yeah. To there was a big, a lot of PR around, a, li a little big push, and then it certainly seems like what I call the lithium revolution sort of took place and took over. And of course, we're enjoying its functionality. Um, one one other quick question is before sure. I wrap up with you, but is um, battery swapping. Um, obviously, we're all we I say there's a lot of choice now of EVs available. There's a, in, in all different price ranges now. Uh, it's pretty easy to get easy to get an EV. The range is still the limiting factor. If you you know if you our our cars are getting around two thirty two forty. If you want to get up into the four hundred mile range, you have to pay a really steep premium. So there are these battery swapping programs. It's always seemed kind of intriguing to me that you could sort of pull up to a, a gas, quote unquote gas station or a charging station and just pull out your batteries and pop in a new battery. And in 30 seconds, you could be, have another 250 miles of range. Is that on? Is that is that just sort of Fruit Loops, do you think, or is that a possibility? Well, it's it's definitely been talked about a lot, especially in the very beginning of the industry. Um, a lot of things will have to happen and be put in place for us to be able to do that, which means the automakers will have to allow it and not have you to um, basically um, null and void your warranty, right? The vehicles have to be made so that they can do that easily. It's not very easy now. Um, but I just think about it too, from my own perspective uh, as a driver, as to I know how I treat my car and I know how I treat my battery, which is really well. I don't know that I want to risk getting, you know, maybe a battery that's not so good. However, I think that there is room in the industry for all technologies, all business types and all business models. And I think we, you know, seeing how that plays out. I, you know, I would love to see if that were to get up and running and we were able to make that work. Great. Because it's one option for people that maybe would use that service. I'm not sure that I would, but I'm sure there are others that would for sure. It's maybe it's best application is with fleets, you know, like Metro buses. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sort of common ownership. Yeah. That's a great point. You, you sound like you've, you've got a great thing going. Uh, you, you're, you look yeah. happy. How would I always ask this to, to people that are succeeding in their careers? But how do you maintain a balance in, in your uh, in your life? Oh, let's see. Um, I love riding my electric bike. I love traveling. Um, I'll be uh, heading over to the Car Caribbean in a week, um, going on a, a sailing trip there. So, um, and I also have a good core group of women business owners that I see probably on a weekly basis. And it's amazing how much um, community can benefit you and uplift you. And, you know, you're an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur. And it's great when you can get in those circles and really just, you know, start talking about either trends in your own business or just trends in, you know, as us as entrepreneurs and how are we succeeding and what are some of the tips and tricks and, um, you know, ways to be more successful. That's great. You've got that. Well, listen, thanks so much for what you're doing with EV adoption. Thanks for sharing all these insights. Yeah. I you have a wonder, I'm sure you'll have a wonderful trip, but it's great to see you, April. You too. You too. Thank you so much. And keep doing what you're doing. Will yeah. do.
Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thanks. We'll see you. Bye. That's it. Thanks for listening to Flanagan's Ecologic. We'll see you next time.